Hello and welcome to Tammy Kinders. Coming up on the programme this week, I take Howard for a wild walk. I'm looking forward to it already. We have memories of Poland from the last war. And you've got a challenge of some kind, but I've no idea what it is. I bet you can't wait. I can't, honestly. Can you hear that noise? Not the car. Although we can probably hear that too. It's the sound of Howard donning his footwear. Good morning. Morning, morning. Walking boots. Walking boots, yes. Not slippers. Not slippers, no. We are out in the countryside. Um, This is one of mine. I arranged for Howard to meet me somewhere and then we're going on a little magic mystery tour. And I'll be intrigued to know if you've ever been up here before. Probably not. We were talking about this the other day. It's one of the sort of the wonders of the Isle of Man and that you can have lived here all your life and go somewhere for a walk with a friend or someone and think, I've never been down this track before. I've never been along this route or whatever the case before. And you think, with the Isle of Man being, what, 36 miles by 12 or thereabouts, you'd assume, and I think a lot of people who don't know the Isle of Man would assume, if you've lived there for 30, 40, 50 years, you will know every track going. And it just isn't the case. It really isn't. And this is a track that I spotted when I drove past a few times on this road. We're just up uh, Crosby Way. We go past the old school, old Moran School, my first school. I remember going there, my first day of school. Yeah, you know, I, I still love that building. I think it's used by the Manx service yeah, now, isn't it? Is, it? Yeah, Because I also want to sort of go in. Sometimes the light's on. I think, what a great place to yeah. be. You've got a cracking view. It looks really in, in really good nick. And yeah. yeah, it's sort of... Somewhere I, between, yeah, it feels quite rural, but you're not far out. I did go back a few years ago. Um, I must have been doing an interview about with the, the people who were in there, and it was just amazing because you have such a, a memory of things. Oh, I don't know how your memory works. Right, I've come to this conclusion that I would never be able to write my autobiography because I don't remember things in enough detail. It's just more snapshots. I can't remember big conversations or anything. Oh, yeah, well, that's, that's mine. I definitely have a snapshot memory, yeah. and I remember little instances, as you say, like that in intimate detail yeah and then bigger things yeah gone not at all. it's really weird mm. so i remember mrs cannell coming in on the first day of school with a little mouse that she had as a pet in its little cage i remember the toilets being outside but anyway that's not where we are uh, we're still just passing time while howard ties his shoelaces lovely doing very well there yeah i've been practicing it's a lovely morning late april very rural he's finished right Ta-da. is it cold not too bad. No, you'll be all right. Do I need a jacket? Well, I don't know. Do you feel the cold? I don't know. Oh, I for think goodness one sake. Right. I should have bought you a snack and some water. Come on, let's go. I've got a snack and some water. Are we nearly there yet? Right, so we need to be careful up here because it's quite a narrow road. Here we are at the start of our path. Now, it is a little bit muddy. I did advise you that you'd need some boots. I can see why you said boots. Right, so let's go through. There's a little kissing gate here. It's hardly been raining for the last two or three weeks, and yet this is pretty marshy. How did you find this? You were just wandering past where you thought, there's a really muddy track. I think I'll stop the car and go and wander up it. <laughs> did you not see the sign at the bottom? There's Best. a green sign. No, I didn't see it. Oh, for goodness sake. Well, have a look at it when you come back. That's what caught my eye. It says, Beth, this way. <laughs> yeah. We're just walking up this path, and we come to two green structures. Any idea what these might be? 
Dandara? No. Well, um, now these are interesting. So they look like almost like little pig arcs. So they are, what do you call them? They're sort of Wendy house size, aren't they? Yeah. They are the sort of thing that you'd love. And even though I wasn't a girl, as far as I recall, I still, you know, the idea of playing in, oh, in yeah. tree huts and little houses like this, always, yeah. I used to love it. And that's what this is. It's a green plastic dome with a door mm-hmm. and a latch and brambles growing inside as well. And actually a floor. It's got a wooden yeah. slatted floor to keep it vaguely dry. So it's almost like you could use it and even an adult could use it if you were caught out in really bad weather. You could whip in there. Yeah. Oh, look, rabbits. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. And it uh, doesn't look like it's been yeah. used for a while, looking no, at the brambles. That's not what we're here to see, though. Let's keep, let's keep going. Come on. I thought you were going to tell us what they are. No, I oh. haven't got a clue. I was hoping you'd know. <clears throat> You've let me down now. I thought you were going to tell me, Jill, oh. what these are actually for pixies. Let's pretend they're for pixies. That would make me really happy. But I want to know what they're for. Now. I wonder what they're for. How are we going to find out what they're for? Maybe if they're like no chickens them, or something. They are right? modern, clearly. If they're not well, being there yeah. for hundreds of years. Well, what are they there for? I don't know. Oh. Sorry. Big chickens. Right, now, can you see a green sign? Yes, I've got this one. Right, okay. So this is what we've come to see. Okay. So we are probably going to have to lob over the gate. Yeah. Ancient oh. monument. Lots of sheep in the field, so we'll just be careful here. That'll be all right. Right, okay. Right away, so You far. hold this. Right, I got it. I can take it that way. Here we are. Ready? Got it. Here we go. Off you go. So yeah. Beth is now going to vault over the carefully vault. Well, I say vault. Shut up. It's uh, it's quite. Oh, hello. <laughs> yes. There well, we she's over there, and it made her smile. Here we go. <laughs> Hope it makes you smile. It won't if I slip. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. So far. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we're good. Right, we're good. glad I didn't slip. I am glad as well. Um, to the uninitiated, that does sound like just us wandering up a path and then vaulting well, over a gate. Well, to be fair, it was. It was. But all will be revealed, although you did mention where we were just at the end of that. I was yeah, hoping I, to keep it a mystery, I but didn't know, I, didn't let yeah. you, I didn't let you know that, no, did I? No, I didn't know it was, it was a mystery to her. Uh, I mean, I knew, rough, I knew where we were in the island, but I wasn't... It was another place where I hadn't been up that track before. We yeah. were saying that, I think, there. It's, it's amazing how you go around the Isle of Man and... You might have been born here, brought up here, educated here, um, and you go to these places and think, I've never been up this yeah. track before. Never. And it's great that there are so many opportunities to still do that, and that's part of the joy of doing a programme like this, is that we get the chance to go and explore. So we will hear more of that little wonder walk we will get there. a little bit later. Um, but first of all, you know, this is something you might have heard in the news early this month. There was a memorial to 11 Polish airmen who died on or near the Isle of Man in World War Two, unveiled earlier this month. And the Black Granite Memorial um, was unveiled at the Manx Aviation and Military Museum in Castletown. Um, if you have not been to that museum, really make it a priority to go. It is wonderful. Um, Ivor Ramsden, who's down there, is a mine of information. All the volunteers who run it are just exceptional. And it's just incredible. It's like a, a rabbit warren. You, it goes on and on and on. And there is so much from our military history down there. But we really wondered why it was so important to mark these Polish airmen who were so involved in World War Two and who died near the Isle of Man. And Sarah Hendy asked that question to Kuba Seismanski a little bit earlier. 
Polish airmen actually were crucial during the Battle of Britain. So we are talking about 70 years ago now. And uh, imagine this is early 40s when the Poles were uh, basically homeless. We, we lost the battle in 1939 and many of these Polish uh, airmen transferred through different countries, France, and then ended up in UK. And they needed to be trained and updated on many, many occasions. And Isle of Man was the place where many foreign, if you wish, uh, airmen would come for training. Poles were among them. And unfortunately, during this process, 11 of them lost lives. And um, they are buried in Derby, seven of them, and the others are all over the place, actually. Some buried in, at sea, and uh, one was actually, the, the, the corpse was transferred back to U.S. because he was flying under the American flag. So uh, it's time for us to actually commemorate this time, especially that those Poles uh, made an impact on, on Manx's lives here as well. Uh, they were good sports. They were partying here as well at times. And when I talked to my Manx colleagues, they actually remember parents talking about the Polish airmen being here in Derby, Andreas, uh, Douglas, um, Port Erin. So I thought it would be uh, an excellent idea. So, well, I'm saying why. I mean, we thought it would be an excellent idea. And especially then we've got a fairly vivid, dynamic uh, Polish community on the Isle of Man who have been here for some time now, and uh, we visit Grace in Derby a lot, and um, recently being in Ronald's Way Air Museum, we saw Canadians there actually having their monument directed. So we spoke with Ivo, uh, curator of the museum, and he was very keen to actually do something similar for Poles. You sort of explained what, what this might mean to the community. Personally, your connection, how, how are you connected to this? What does this mean to you? Well, I like history. I think we need to learn from the history a lot, especially nowadays when we've got the Ukraine and Russia situation and we seem to be forgetting about what, what that means, what war means to a lot of people. And um, we moved to the Isle of Man 22 years ago. When I say we, I mean my wife, Ranita, my son and myself. But I've been working on the Isle of Man since 1990 and always had a very close co uh, ties here. And um, it was interesting whenever any Manx saw me and realized that my name ends with ski, therefore I have to be Polish. They almost immediately mentioned, oh, you know, we had airmen here during the war and we've got friends from Poland and this and that. So we started researching and that's how we came across those graves. We pay a lot of tribute to uh, those graves in Derby. And whenever we've got visitors, we, we would take them there. It is something unheard of for many, many Europeans. They don't necessarily know where the Isle of Man is. And then when they finally find the spot, they come here and visit. They are discovering that actually Isle of Man was important during the war as a training ground for many Czechs, New Zealanders, Australians, Canadians, Americans, Poles, and so on. So I think it's always very interesting for those people to realize how small the world is in the end of the day. Even on a small Isle of Man, there is something they, they, they compatriots um, were present. I think we should also mention how well it was received by the Manx government and uh, Manx people here. When we applied, it was beautifully received by the Lieutenant Governor and the government uh, of Isle of Man. They were immediately warm to the idea. We got a lot of support from local, uh, local people. 
Um, there is one special man, Bruce uh, Kilcam, who I have to mention because without him, all the practicalities would would overcome us. So this was a project of two and a half years, and uh, the final six months were extremely busy for us, especially with COVID. But again, I would love to thank all Manxis for their help and assistance. We received nothing but but support. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. All the Manxis. That really, I mean, it's so poignant listening to that. That's Kuba Sizmensky there talking to Sarah Hendy. Um, there's also a plaque commemorating, as we heard, the men's deaths unveiled outside Douglas Town Hall. That was also done earlier this month. But you were just talking about the Polish and other nationality graves that there are up at Jerby Church. That's the one that always gets me, I think. And, and we were fortunate enough, I think, in our lives not to have been born in that era. You just think... You never know. Neither of us might have been here otherwise, because you go up there and particularly around Jerby, and I think it's in some of the other graveyards, and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but we're talking dozens, maybe maybe hundreds, I really don't know. But Polish and Canadian uh, young airmen and other nationalities as well, but they're the two that stick in my mind. And these young men, they died before they even got into war. They were up in Jerby training to fly, and I think, I don't know how long you had, I suspect it was a matter of a few weeks to go from not knowing one end of a plane to another to flying it in battle, as far as I can see. And surprise, surprise, some of the poor souls died just trying to learn to fly the planes. They never even got into war. They died basically crashing the planes. It's just senseless, think, isn't it? Oh, it really puts it in perspective, and you think... As you say, you just the, the whole senselessness of war and the way it completely wastes lives it just makes you think. And yet, well, here we are again. We oh, won't talk on that. Yeah. yeah. You're listening to Tamagindis on Manx Radio with Beth and Howard. And we've reached the part of the programme where we do a little challenge. Now, historically, these have been challenges generally thought up by Howard, uh, yes. something he's seen somewhere, um, a little experiment. But I thought, actually... Let's do things a little bit differently. You're going to turn the tables, you mean? Yeah, a little Uh, bit. So, but this is not something for now. So, I need you to sort of sign up to something for the next week, and then you can report back and see how you found it. Okay. How scared are you on a scale of one to? Yeah, so far. Okay. um, Right. Go on. Go on. Go on. Have you heard of the Wim Hof method? Yes. Do you know what it involves? Yes, I've been watching a bit of it on TV. Have you? Oh, good. Mm. So I was reading about this in the newspaper at the weekend and they were talking about the benefits of cold water. And I know we've talked again before and I've done a little bit of uh, sea swimming and you've talked about your, your paddling and whatever. But I thought, how can we do this and see if it does have an actual benefit to us? Cold showers every day. Now, that's what I want you to sign up to. For the next week. Is it just me? No, I'm doing it as oh, well. Okay. I'll do it as well. Um, not together. <laughs> I'd just like to point that out. You're taking all yeah. the fun out of it now. Um, <laughs> a good hint that I had actually from uh, old Hendo, who does uh, who does partake in a cold shower every now and again. You can start up. off warm mm. and then just gradually turn it down and just see how long you can stay under a really cold shower. And apparently the health benefits are going to be massive. You're going to feel invigorated. You're going to be less grumpy. And uh, there's going to be all sorts of things and we're going to see if it's going to work. Okay. Uh, right? A couple of questions. Then. Um, can you do it any time of the day? Have you got to do it first thing in the morning or can you do it any No, I think you can do it any time. That's fine. And how long do you have to actually stand? I mean, are we talking about a quick blast of a few seconds? Do you have to stand under it for a length of time or...? Well, should we aim for 30 seconds? 
30 seconds. 30 seconds cold. But you have to. You can gradually acclimatise yourself. You don't have to get straight into a cold shower. I think that would be really horrible. But yeah. Okay. You ready? Mm? How do I record this in the shower? You don't have to record it. You can just tell us about it. I'm not sure I want to hear a recording of you in the shower. Thanks. Well, you can do okay. if you want. And you're, you're going to do it as well? Well, I have actually already started. Go on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, I hate cold water. I mean, to the point that I will not even go in an indoor swimming pool because of the cold water. And when we've been on holiday and there's been a lovely pool somewhere, I still can't get in if the water's cold. So I thought actually doing this will help me acclimatise as well. So uh, get over that little fear I've got of cold water. Even though I have done a little bit of sea swimming, I still, I really struggle. Um, I can't say I've been bowled over by the benefits so far, but it is early days. It's only been a couple of days. Okay, okay. So I, I, we will, shall see. I will try it out then. So, yeah, start warm and cool it down. Yeah. And have 30 seconds under cold. Yeah. Okay. All right. I suppose we'd better get back to that walk and find out just where we were heading. I might have given it away. There might be a chair and the word or name Patrick might be associated with it. Let's go. St. Patrick's chair, that is the sign that is at the bottom of this road pointing upwards. You just told upwards. me to look at it. You said, what's on, what's on the green side? I said, side? did you see the sign? Oh, dear. So go on. Anyway, it's so St. This... Patrick's chair. No, intriguing. So it is. We're just sort of careful. It's sheep around here, so obviously you don't want to disturb them too much. But they're uh, minding their own business anyway. And it's surrounded by its own little patch of... Uh, wire to protect it, presumably, from yep. the animals. Oh, there's a plaque on the other side. There is. Handy. It has to be said, as chairs go... <laughs> it doesn't look very comfortable. I've seen more comfortable. <laughs> However, I think... Oh, here we go. There we are. Right. So you come round to the front of it. Now, do you want me to read this one if I can or not? Yes, go on. All right, hang on. It's not that easy, actually. Uh, right, it does say St Patrick's chair and a lovely old green metal sign, but it is a bit corroded over. Early, no, I can't actually read all this. Place of meeting. Early place of meeting, two granite pillars. Ma- what's that, manned? No, married. Marked. Marked with crosses. Commemorate, commemorate the first, first preaching of the, of gospel. the gospel. And you can just see in that centre stone and the one just to the left. But there is it's a cross, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. On There's this one on the left, the it's quite it's quite clear. It's been carved out. So, actually, the one in the middle, yes, you're yeah. right. I didn't see that at first, but yeah. So I need you to hold this right. again, because I've printed out some information. Okay. Now, I got this from the Manx as the Hills website, and it was written by Bernadette Wade in November 2019. Signed from the road, St. Patrick's Chair stands in a field called Maga y Chien. That's Field of the Lord and is a collection of stones, two of which have carved crosses on them. It rests in a field with views of Chabana Plantation, and you can see the Iron Age and Viking farmstead at the Braid in the distance. This site is one of two chair formations on the island linked to St. Patrick, with the other near St. Trinian's Church on Greedham Mountain. So, you're asking, what exactly is it? What exactly is it? Well, there's no clear answer to that, as it is still open to interpretation. But folklore says that when St. Patrick came to the Isle of Man, there was a meeting held here where he preached and blessed the people. So this monument is thought to be early Christian, but whether the stones are in their original place or not is also unknown, as Walter Gill reports in 1929. So this is from 1929, okay? 
Dr. Oliver of Douglas says that the late Vicar of Moran informed him that the so-called St. Patrick's chair was erected about 70 or 80 years ago by the then tenant of the farm, who was an eccentric person and erected this for a house. The late Vicar resided in the parish at the time the erection was put up and was personally acquainted with the farmer. The surveyor adds the following comment. The stones have the appearance of age and in my opinion have undoubtedly been placed in position some centuries back. Romilly Allen, in a paper on early Christian monuments of the Isle of Man in the Journal of the British Archaeological Association, says the crosses belong to a period falling between AD 400 and 700. A hedge formerly ran a few yards to the northeast of the relic, though marked on the ordnance map it is not now visible but is remembered. The same legend is related at Chibber Ferrick, St Patrick's Well, near Peel, and of other places. So actually what we don't know is, are these ancient? Or was it a farmer in the 1800s who uh, just placed it here? They certainly look ancient, don't they? Yeah. But again, equally, I know from doing programmes like this and to walk with and, and other things, it's amazing how quickly things that are left out in the open start to look like they've been there for mm. thousands of years. Yeah. Or you look at some of these Fultons and you think, gosh, yeah. they must be, you know. And if you actually find some details, sometimes they were only abandoned 70, 80 years previously. Just does set you wondering about, okay, who did them? Who carved the cross? Why did they carve the cross? Yeah. Was it a building? Was it just a memorial? And could St. Patrick have been standing here? A lovely walk to do. If you are in the area and you are fairly fit and able to get up that hill and over the gate, then it's it well worth a visit. You certainly do. Yeah. So this is Tamagindus. We have reached the part of the programme where we take a dip in the Manx Radio archive. What have you got for us this week? Right, well, I had a quick rummage, picked up a mini-disc, a mini-disc, Grandad, and I was intrigued to find it had my dad's name on it. It just said Jim Kane TTR. And I thought, he never had anything to do with the TT. And then I remember what TTR was. Right, say push the button push the button and I'll try and find the mini display here it is okay here we go testing one two three four five six testing seven eight nine ten eleven that's cobblers and I'm putting on to mini disc this one two three four five six seven eight nine ten that's my levels not bad there and your level hello we... yeah oh that's fine David yeah I'll stay those off and I'll chat to you Right, Jim Kane, James Kane. Any other name apart from James? Alfred. Kane? I was called James Alfred after my two grandfathers. My grandfather James Kane, that was my father's father, of course, and my mother's father Alfred, who, who was Alfred Watterson, who came from uh, out at uh, uh, not Kirk Michael way. The Kanes came from Kirk Michaels originally, but the, my my mother grandfather he came from Mackle out that way. Uh, and there's a little story there, David. My f grandfather, Alfred, was one of the very first pupils at Dune School, which had just opened up in about 1869, 1870, something like that, uh, under the New Education Act, when, of course, all, every child had to be have an education. And it was there that he met my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, who came from Cardlevoor Farm, uh, which had been in her family for 400 years, believe it or not. Really? And her name was Jane Carouche. And she, of course, was a member of the the powerful Carouche clan of the North. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which, which meant, of course, that we were, I was related to, and through my mother, we were related to the, the Carouches. And, uh, yeah. And, um, 
Charlie and, and Co. and in, in particular Eddie. Uh, was it Eddie who was the MLC? Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was my mother's mm. first cousin, mm. and uh, also the the banker chap. And who was the banker chap? He was a member of the family as well. Yeah, bank manager, bachelor chap, Eddie Cotine. Oh, Eddie Cotine, yes. 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 Wasn't right. very, very TT at all. It was time to remember, of course. TTR. Would you believe? The wonderful David Collister. And the equally wonderful Jim Kane, or Dad, as he was better known in these parts. I tell you what, I didn't actually know some of these stories. You have to listen to more of that. It's incredible hearing them, isn't it? It is incredible hearing them. You never know what's in the archives here. We will have more next week. Look after yourselves, and we'll see you then. Take care.